couple of years ago, I read a book by Ben Shapiro called The Authoritarian Moment. And it was about how effectively the left in this country was going to use top-down authoritarianism to enact the policies that they saw fit. Now, obviously, Ben Shapiro is a biased source, but he is one that I reference a lot. And whether you love him or whether you hate him, in terms of a guy who looks at things objectively, even so much as to castigate his own party, I mean, the guy has my vote in a lot of things. But ironically, of course, I was reading a book about authoritarian politics during COVID. And this week specifically, I had a call back to that moment. I had a call back to thinking about the authoritarian moment as a concept because ironically, it seems, or by some divine machination, a bunch of different things happened all at once that just reeked of authoritarianism. Since we're talking about COVID-era things right now, let's start with a couple of those. For the last few weeks, we've been hearing that COVID numbers have been on the rise, and as such, certain businesses and municipalities and counties and what have you, even some universities, they have reenacted masking policies because cases have gone up 20%. Now, wherever these places are, they may be getting you know, let's just say 10 cases of COVID a week. Well, they're up 20%. Well, that's two cases. The 20% sounds scarier. And the ongoing theory is, is that, oh, wow, it's just in time for election season. I personally do actually subscribe to that theory. I do believe they would try to usher back in the COVID scare as a means of telling people, well, we got to do mail-in ballot. We got to have ballot harvesting. Has to be the most secure election of all time. A lot of things from that era did not age well. They even pranced out Dr. Fauci, and they had him tell us that, well, on an individual level, yes, masking is very good, but on a societal level, it really doesn't do much. I personally find that hilarious because what is society but a group of individuals, a very large group of individuals. So if it doesn't help us on a societal level, then why does it help us on an individual level? Riddle me that, Dr. Fauci. Elsewhere, in New York City, you had Kathy Hochul, who is the governor of New York, currently Democrat. You had her getting on TV saying that the medicine from last time just isn't going to cut it. You need to take the medicine from this time. Remember when they told you that the medicine from last time was like bulletproof? Oh, but that was after that was after they said they'd never take it because Donald Trump pushed it through. But remember when they had to have all the breakthrough cases? And remember when they told you that it would just take like a booster after that and you'd be good? Like you would you weren't gonna get COVID, man. And then then you did. And then you got like two or three more boosters. Oh, and you, and you still got it. And then they came out and they're like, oh, well, yeah, it, it, it doesn't stop it. It's just like it, it stops you from getting seriously sick. Uh-huh. So if the juice from last time wasn't no pulp, what makes me think that this one would be? I bring this part up especially because when you think of the authoritarian moment, I don't think anyone's forgotten that we were effectively subjected to medical apartheid a couple years ago, the haves and the have-nots. Especially my friends in the nursing community, I know a lot of them definitely felt disgruntled because 
when it came to 2020, especially March through the end of the year of 2020, when COVID first touched down, they were our heroes. They had to be respected and raised up to a level of admiration that we had never seen before. And then it was, if you don't get this shot, go get a new job somewhere else. If you were in the military, get this shot or you lose out on everything. If you're a police officer, if you're a firefighter, if you're a teacher, get the shot or else. Eventually, the mandate, as it was known, was struck down and we returned to normalcy for some years. How normal is normal really in this country? Because whenever a school gets shot up, that's mass murdering. And we should take it as such. But they don't tell you that a mass murdering is defined as any time two or more people are killed at once. So by that logic, uh, mass murdering goes down in Chicago typically 30 times every weekend, bare minimum. Oh, but that's, that's politically incorrect of me to say that. That's wrong of me to say that and point that out. That's my privilege talking. But the governor of New Mexico can put out a unconstitutional 30-day ban on firearms, conceal and carry, open carry, to any citizen that is not a police officer active duty at the moment. The police came out and said, we are not upholding this. And a judge struck it down. Now, as cringeworthy as the idea is in the first place, it's good to see that the right people stood up and said, no, we're not going to let you do this. And there is the governor of New Mexico. I don't even want to say her name because, number one, it's milk toast and I can't remember it. And number two, I will just refer to her as the governor of New Mexico. The governor of New Mexico is still sitting there beaming, saying, no, I can do this. I have special powers. Those powers are authoritarianism. Those powers are a clear and distinct lack of respect for our Constitution and our Second Amendment. Never let an emergency go to waste. Never let a good crisis go to waste, they say. And I brought all this up after the moment of seeing a reel of a representative from Minnesota, a Republican, talking about how proud he was that the House of Representatives, which is slightly controlled by Republicans at this point, that they were going to put through a piece of legislation that largely held banks and financial systems accountable to not using a CBDC, otherwise known as a centralized bank digital currency, which for those of you who don't know what that is, think about the paper dollar that you have. It's called fiat currency. The word fiat is because the value we ascribe it, it's not real. We don't have a gold standard anymore, and we haven't for over 100 years. Instead, this is a promissory note that says $100 worth of value. Adjusted for inflation is about 14 cents. <laughs> but here's the thing. The value of our dollar is being crushed every single day. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, George Bush, Bill Clinton. These are all the presidents of my lifetime. And one on top of the other, each and every one, has spent us into the red more and more and more and more. And what do we do? We keep printing money. We do the quantitative easing by raising interest rates, which are supposed to deter people from taking out money. And then the excess money that's in the economy that keeps inflation high, we start to spend it out. 
people eventually go back to a place where they are at a financial basis of good, and then we start the same old stupid routine, which gets us into more trouble, and then what do you have? You have a possible government shutdown. You have the right saying, if our demands are not met, then we are not going to fund the government. You have the left saying, well, you want to take over the blah, 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 blah. To quote one of the greatest characters in all of TV history, Tony Soprano, it's a jerk-off. That's all it is. It's one big jerk-off. Because for all the money that we could use to actually fund our police departments or to fund our public schools or to do some of the things that would maybe keep our streets safer or to keep our cities cleaner, we're sending hundreds of billions of dollars over to Ukraine instead. Now, that's not an indictment of the Ukrainian people. I understand that there are people who are caught in the crosshairs of war. I understand that. I understand that we can't control what Putin does. I understand that. But I also understand that two things can be true at once. Even if it is in our interest to send money over to Zelensky in Ukraine so that we can continue to help them in their fight against Russia, against Putin, and kill two birds in one stone, which is keep Ukraine out of Russia's hands and also marginally disrupt their military numbers and the amount of finances they have to put towards their military, both of those things can be happening at the same time. But it also doesn't change the fact that the people who are sending the money over there are corrupt and untrustworthy and who will sell your future down the river in order to pay themselves back handsome sums to launder the money. And they also know that for every person like myself who is critical of how they do things and why they do the things that they do, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumer's, the Mitch McConnell's, Yes, I very much like to judge Republicans, too. I actually jumped for joy whenever I heard Mitt Romney wasn't running again. We're going to be stuck with him for a little while, but as far as milk toast lizard people, yeah, he's pretty high up there on the list. All of these people, all of them, they will sell you down the river, your future down the river, our freedom down the river. Our buying power is basically already gone. Thankfully, I live in St. Louis where it's dirt cheap, but it doesn't change the fact that my standard of living is going down and my cost of living is going up. How much longer can we go on like this? How much longer can we continue to print money and not pay our bills here in the United States? How much longer can the average citizen just keep putting off their credit card payments until a bubble pops and we have to restructure How much longer until the commercial real estate market falls? How much longer until the next housing market crisis happens? Because now that they're leveraging people with good credit to help people who have bad credit get better rates on their mortgages, do you really think that that's not going to have a bubble that doesn't pop at some point? Because I sure do. I do think it will. But how much longer are we going to allow them to creep and creep and creep towards this end of theirs? That's the big question of today's episode. If we've been caught in the authoritarian moment, not just since 2020, but since, hell, the passing of 9-11, at least 2001, what, we've been under it for 22 years? Almost almost 75% of my life. You can't 
talk on the phone without it being recorded and sent to the NSA. You can't look at your phone's camera without having someone watch you. As I record this on my computer, my, my computer has a camera, which Mark Zuckerberg has been on record as peeling the tape off of his camera whenever he's not using it because he understands he's being listened to. The Patriot Act, which was this great counterterrorism measure by the Bush administration, all it basically did was say that we here in the United States, the taxpaying citizens, the men, women, and children who make this country what it is, we're constantly living under surveillance. Everything you do is documented. There is a camera on every city block. Your smart home devices are listening to you. There was a story about a guy who had all the smart home stuff from Amazon and that he was listening to like aggressive rap music. And so what happened was is that effectively his Amazon home system said he had used racist language and it locked him out of his house. I made a reel earlier this week, and it basically said, if all of these things came true, COVID era policy, central bank digital currency, oh, and let's not forget our good friends at the G20 summit who are talking about us having the innovation of digital IDs, where your whole life is placed on a digital product, including your financial blueprint. If we're using central bank digital currencies and we have these digital IDs, Do you know what that means? That means if you say something that the government doesn't like, they'll subject you to a social credit score. You say, man, let's go, Brandon. Oh, your social credit score just dropped 30 points. You were about to buy a house. Now, the rates of your mortgage will go up. That nice 1% that you were going to get that mortgage at, try 10%. Oh, your down payment? They're going to want to see probably double what you were going to do last time. But why? I'm still financially responsible. Ah, but your social credit score took a hit. Ooh, it also means that we're probably going to have to fine you for that because you challenged our president. You said, let's go, Brandon. That's harmful. That's hate speech. We're going to fine you $100. Oh, well, I just won't pay them. Oh, but your money's on a central bank digital currency, which is stored on your digital ID. And now that your social credit score, which is something that they do in China, by the way, now that your social credit score has been lowered, you're going to be walking on eggshells for until it goes up. And even on a societal level, people who have 750, 800, 850 social credit scores, they don't want to be seen with you. You and your lowly 650 You and your lowly 625 social credit score, you're a degenerate. You're a deplorable. I don't know if you've ever read books like 1984 or even on a young adult level like The Giver, but what we saw in these books is that an authoritarian regime had taken control of basically the world or the world as they knew it in 1984. They were basically Europe after World War II And they had been tricked into believing that everything the world had to offer was just there in post-World War II Europe. They lived under a surveillance state. Big Brother. Big Brother was always watching. They had TVs in their home that would feed them propaganda all day, every day. It would tell them when they would get up, when they would go to work, 
when they would exercise, when they could go to the bathroom, when they could eat, when they could write, when they could do anything. They had the thought police and the ministry of truth. If you started thinking things that were harmful to the state, they would come and take you away. The ministry of truth would then write you out of existence. And anyone who knew you before you, quote, went rogue, you would be forgotten. It was like you were never there. And they would try to condition you back into being a good, quiet little automaton. That's, spoiler alert, that's one of the horrible things about 1984. It's an amazing book, and everyone should read it at least once. But the idea largely was, is that these two people, our narrator and a woman who he falls in love with, and love is expressly forbidden in this reality, they start going outside the norms of what their lives had been. They start fooling around and falling in love and planning to escape this hellhole of a universe that had been everything that they had known from the time that they were born. No love, no individuality, just one person walking in gridlock step with another person, all to serve their government. The government finds out, and they subject them to awful torture until the two main characters effectively rat on the other so that their worst nightmares come to life can never hurt them. It's a very horrifying existence that George Orwell wrote about. And what he wanted more than anything was to say, look at what happens to places like Russia, places like China. Communism evolved out of this idea of quote-unquote socialism. Socialism is where the people, the working class, have all the means of production. Communism is the state has ultimate means of production. One ushers in the other. And it's not that communism ushers in socialism. And in our government today, how many Democrats run as socialists? How many of them sit here and they talk about the top 1%? I'm not just talking about Bernie Sanders. I'm talking about AOC, I'm talking about Rashida Tlaib, I'm talking about Ilhan Omar, Cory Bush, the squad. If these people had their way, you wouldn't be able to say any bad words, quote-unquote. You wouldn't be able to think the way that you think. We almost had our own little ministry of truth that was going to be headed up by that nut Nina Jankowitz. And as we already know, the Biden administration and the FBI, even before he was president, they've been working with social media for years. They censored the Hunter Biden laptop story, to which a lot of people came forth and said, if I would have known about this story about the apparent president's son, who is a crackhead and a degenerate, running all across Ukraine and China with this quote-unquote laptop from hell, videos of him hanging out with hookers, banging prostitutes, doing cocaine and crack, and apparently some other things on there that I will not talk about at this moment because they're indecent and disgusting and I don't want to think about them very much. If I would have known about that, I would have never voted for Joe Biden. Oh, but social media said what you could and could not look at. Remember when they took away the recent hashtags and all you could see were the top hashtags? Because recent hashtags were harmful. If we are truly living in the authoritarian moment, it doesn't just take saying no. That's a great first step, but to me some steps that we can take in order to keep the most of our freedom and our autonomy 
to ourselves. Now, mind you, the government, the people in charge, politicians, big business, big money, they will do everything in their power to coerce you out of your individual autonomy. They will do everything in their power to make sure that you are their servant and their taxpayer until you die. How do we retain power? Well, number one is by saying no. We've been over that. It means looking at the candidates who you can vote for or becoming the candidates who we should all vote for. And you look at who is funded by what. If the name George Soros is there, I ain't interested. If you look at any of these big corporations, and I'm not just talking about like medium-sized companies. I'm talking about the companies that we all know. The companies that have endless amounts of money, endless amounts of influence, and they pay off people, especially like Mitch McConnell. You ever looked at who funds Mitch McConnell? AT&T has given him a lot of money. AbbVie has given him a lot of money. Big Tech Communications, Big Pharma give that guy a lot of money. You can find who all of your politicians' donors are. Those are the people you don't vote for. As much as a lot of people hate Donald Trump, the thing you can like about the guy is that he's, for the most part, self-funded. He doesn't have big backers. He doesn't need them. He's a billionaire. Now, mind you, the legal system is trying to drain him of all of his funds. Well, they got to try to stop him somehow. But that said, you need to look at who is running or become the person that's running with the right information. If these people are funded by big corporate business, that's another word for big globalist corporatism. That's bad. We don't want that. The next thing I would say is more people need to start businesses. Like, I try so hard these days to keep my dollars local and not just going to my local grocery store. Like, I do that. I don't shop at Target. I don't shop at Walmart. I I hate going to those big box chains. And I did even before they were what they are now, especially Target. But when it comes right down to it, I try to even look at what are the local brands inside my local grocery store, things that are home to Missouri. Because the truth is, is that the more of those dollars we keep local, the more of those dollars we know where they're going, that's more people in your community sending their kids to college, helping their businesses grow, and helping stop bigger corporate structures like Walmart and Target. I, I want to kick myself every time, I, every time I go into Best Buy, but it's just like, that is the one place where I know I can always go to get where I need. Well, more people need to start businesses. Something that's happened recently, I, I met the guy from Public Square, Michael Seifert. Apparently, he's a St. Louis guy. And what Public Square is doing right now is they're helping build the parallel economy. There's the economy we've had our whole lives, which is, hey, you can go to Walmart and you can buy this. You can go to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger and nuggets. You can go to Dobbs for your tires. You know, and it's not that all these businesses are bad, but they're big business. Big business takes your money and puts it in the pockets of people who will never give back to you. Small business, medium-sized business, you know, I'm going to give some people a shout-out real quick. You know, when it comes to using beard products, all my men's care products, I get those from my friend Gabe. Like, the Captain Beard Co. is where it is at. When I think about where I get my coffee from, that's Mark, Mark Joe, Omen Coffee Co. It's better than any Starbucks you'll ever have. I like Dunkin', but it's better than Dunkin', too. When it comes to my supplements, you already know. I rep first form all day. I buy my friend Andy, my friend Sal's supplements. I know their families. I know Sal's kids. They're great kids. 
and knowing that those kids are being raised right and understanding that me spending those dollars locally helps put them in charge of our future as opposed to some trust fund kid who comes from maybe New York or California, that makes me feel a lot better about where I'm at. Locally, people use me for their media. And don't get me wrong, you can work a job that you love and you can do a business on the side. But the thing I've learned recently more than ever, even more than I was hustling, is that when you run a business, when you are a contributing member of commerce, not just a consumer, but a producer, the world opens up all kinds of possibilities with what good debt and good credit can do for you. But the average person thinks they don't have the aptitude. The average person thinks, I can't run a business. I can barely get dressed in the morning. Running a business is not what you think it is. It doesn't mean you have to be in some 200 square foot building from Jump Street. It basically just means I, as a person, see the effect I have on being able to fix problems for others and make other people's lives better. Then I figure out how I do it and I just ramp it up. I create a value exchange. You need a problem solved. I need money. Cool. That becomes way easier to do once you just get started after you figure out what it is you're good at. I didn't figure out I was good with a camera until like I was forced to use one. Well, look at me now. I pay all my bills by using a camera. And I've only been using it for a little over a year. I'm not that smart, guys. I'm really not. I know a lot of people who are fitness trainers and nutrition coaches, and I remember helping them get started with absolutely nothing, just a story and a desire to want to work out, and most of them didn't even want to talk to anybody. That piece is just as important as the last time I spoke on this, which is you need to be involved in your community. You need to talk to people. You need to stop living behind screens because the truth is is that those screens, the news, your phone, social media, all of those things are geared towards feeding you anxiety, feeding you fear, giving you the dopamine rush and the crash that comes from it afterwards. And all the while, they're selling you quote-unquote solutions. Take this pill. Side effects may include death and everything up into death. Have you or a loved one been hurt by blah, 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 blah? Call so-and-so and so-and-so at blah, 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 blah. It's all, it's all a sales pitch, guys. And the, the truth is, there's actually there's actually a, a little joke about this. It's death and life are having a conversation. And life asks death, death, why is it everybody loves me but hates you? And death turns around and says, well, life, that's because you're a beautiful lie and I'm the ugly truth. The ugly truth is that all the things you want and all the things you need are on the other side of struggle. They're on the other side of the harder path. And these people, these lizard people, big media, big tech, big government, big money, they're going to sell you a fat, lazy, complacent bag of goods that anyone could enjoy. But it does not lead to fulfillment and it does not lead to happiness. It leads to you being a slave. They want you to read the headline and nothing else. They don't want you to know about what's going on with your president and the quote-unquote Biden crime family. They want you to know that Taylor Swift was at the VMAs. They don't want you to know what's going on with the economy. They want you to say, oh, wow, inflation's down from 10% down to 3%. That must be so good because you're not educated. That's still too high. Your buying power is still way too low. This isn't just a Democrats thing. 
Because believe you me, as many Democrats as there are who have lived their entire life in the system, which Nancy Pelosi hasn't lived her entire 2,000 years in the system, but she did announce that she's going to try to run again for Congress. People of San Francisco, I don't know if you like going to Walgreens and not being able just to pick things out of the shelves. You have to ask for anything you're going to buy. I don't know if you're getting sick of that. The CEO of Cash App and Square was beat to death in your city that he was a native of, that he was a local of. He was worth a lot more money than any of you or any of me. The authoritarian moment is something that we have been getting walked into for, I guess, as long as I've been alive, if not most of my life. And I've always found a certain joy in telling the right people no. I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to believe you. I'm willing to be exiled. I'm willing to be told I don't belong because I haven't for most of my life. Tell them no, but put yourself in a position to tell them no and actually mean it. Because if you aren't working on yourself, if you aren't learning how to play the game, the political game, which is look at who is funded by what, and get in the game as far as not just being a consumer, but become a producer, become someone who has a business, become someone who other people rely on for the value that you can exchange with them. Get involved in your community. They want our communities small and weak. They want to be able to subsidize us. I heard that the city of Chicago is thinking about opening up state-sponsored grocery stores. Guys, it's not helping anybody. It's the government saying, we have the answer. No, you don't. Because if you had the answer, Chicago wouldn't look like how Chicago looks like. St. Louis wouldn't look like how it's looking like. Thankfully, we got Kim Gardner out, and now we got this new guy in. Apparently, he's doing the right things, but St. Louis still needs a lot of work. Los Angeles needs a lot of work. San Francisco needs a lot of work. New York City, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., All of these places, Detroit, Philadelphia, need a lot of work. Saying no is just the first step, though. Not complying. It only works if we all do it, or at least the majority of us do it. And believe you me, there are going to be people who tell you, no, it's just better if you fall in line. It'll be so much easier this way. It might be easier. But take it from me. When I was making the easiest money in my life, when I was living my easiest life, when everything was easy because hard was too inconvenient, I hated myself most days. It was a long time ago. A third of my life ago. And now that I'm at the place I'm at in life, business is good. I'm part of some really great companies and some really great projects. I'm maybe not the fittest I've ever been, but I'm definitely in good shape and I'm definitely taking advantage of the resources that are around me. I'm the most educated and informed I've ever been. I have more connections now than I ever have. I'm I'm part of a lot of really great things as far as my community goes, especially the men's group at Omen Coffee Co. every other Wednesday, especially First Form. I feel good about where I'm at. I'm not content. I'm not happy. But when the right person tells me to comply, all those things I've mentioned are why I have no problem telling them no.